Welcome to the Ag Future Podcast, presented by Alltech. Join us as we explore the future of farming, food, and nutrition. When it comes to filet quality, consumers want to ensure they're spending their money on a premium product. Dr. Philip Lyons is a research scientist at Copens International, an all-tech company. He joins us to discuss the advancement of innovative aquafeed solutions that improve fish health and performance. Thanks for being here. Thank you very much. It's great to be here. Dr. Lyons, before we get into the science of what makes a first-rate fish filet, it's my understanding that since you were very young that you had a fascination for aquatic things. Things. Would you have ever imagined that your connection as an adult would be so direct and through fish nutrition? Yeah, I think so. I, yeah, as a young boy, I was always very interested in fishing. Um, so all things outdoors and, and to do with fishing. And I grew up uh, in the west of Ireland where we did a lot of trout fishing. So that was really where I kind of got my interest and my passion for, for fishing. And then, yeah, as you go through uh, college and school and you have to figure out how to do that as a profession and aquaculture really represented an, an opportunity for me to directly work with fish whilst also trying to make a difference in terms of sustainable feed solutions and, and, and these things. So I think I'm really, really very fortunate and, and privileged that I'm able to do something I love every day through with Alltech and Coppins. Yeah. Well, what is it like developing quality fish food? And if we say quality, that means that there has to be some not so good varieties out there. Mm -hmm. um, what's the worst thing that you've seen fish being fed? Oh, good question. Um, well, I think in some places and in some areas of the aquaculture industry, they, they can feed offal and, and also uh, yeah, wet fish to fish. And I, I think for some of the really big carnivorous species like yellowtail and these things. And I think that's just so uh, environmentally unfriendly and yeah, not sustainable at all. And you, you are really damaging the food chain in those, in those environments by feeding uh, those. It, it makes absolutely no sense to, to feed such a huge volume of wet fish directly to large carnivorous species. So I think that's something that needs to be refined. And it really shows how, how young the aquaculture industry is when uh, those practices were going on, you know. But I think we've learned a, a huge amount from that. And you see now fish meal inclusion in, in aquafeeds is, is coming down and we're searching for alternatives. So I think we're learning a lot, even though it's a young industry. So I, th I think that those sort of practices are, are now kind of things of the past or are getting to be things of the past. So. In, in talking about some of the alternatives, yeah. what are some fish feed formulations that you're working on right now? We're kind of looking at a, a lot of different alternatives, I think, like everybody is. that uh, We've seen innovations in insect meal production for pet feed, for animal feed in general, but obviously also for fish feed. I think that has a lot of potential, given that... Um, it's if you if you consider a trout growing up in a in a wild freshwater environment, its main uh, dietary source is is often insects. So I think that that makes a lot of sense to, that we would instead of feeding so much fish to fish, we can we can actually substitute some of that fish in with with alternative protein sources like insect meal. So that's that's an area we're really interested in, and we we'll, we will do some research on it, and we already have done in, in other species like catfish, etc. So that's that's one area. I think bacterial meal is also has potential as an alternative protein source. So there's various other alternatives to, to fish meal, but there are challenges associated with those in terms of the palatability of those raw materials. The cost of production is still quite prohibitive for some of those technologies. So when that begins to become uh, 
competitive with fish meal, then I, I really do think that those uh, raw materials will be widespread in, in aquafeeds. We talked to the company yesterday that mm-hmm. is taking fly larvae. Yes. Uh, and, and so they're feeding off of spent grains and other food waste and then turning it into a pellet. But that still seems fairly new. Yeah. Uh, so how, how accessible is something like that now? Uh, if, we, if we were to put it into aquafeeds right now, I think there are some still some challenges when it comes to to fish performance because the the amino acid profile has to meet the requirements of the fish so that's that's one thing in terms of accessibility of the raw material i think it's that the companies now that are making these types of meals are only starting and they're making very small volumes so really test volumes that we can we can use in a select number of feeds or for research and development purposes so so in short they're they're not so accessible but the industry is is ready to to test them and to look for alternatives to fish meal so we're we're ready to accept them but uh the volume is not quite quite there at the moment. Well, what are some of the most sought after fish fillets and what kind of food does it take for them to obtain that um kind of premium product stamp of approval? When it comes to salmon and trout the coloration of fish fillets is uh is usually the one of the biggest the biggest things. And that coloration in the wild comes from salmon and trout eating crustaceans that, that actually naturally synthesize the carotenoids like ast- astaxanthin that then get directed to the flesh. But in, in farmed fish, we don't include a, a huge amount of, of those raw materials in, in feed, so we have to add the astaxanthin in. And that has some advantages and disadvantages. The, um, we, we produce a, a synthetic one, or some people use a synthetic uh, carotenoid or synthetic astaxanthin, and then there's a natural form. But the, the synthetic form is often more stable than the, than the natural form. But that being said, there's a demand again in the industry to adopt natural solutions, and it's, some, it's certainly the direction we want to go in, into natural uh, forms of that astaxanthin that we can include into the feed that will give the fillet that, that lovely red color. Other parameters then for fillet quality would obviously be the fish has to taste very, very nice. So the raw materials that go in have to be optimal. Fillet gaping, so the actual structure of the fillet and the muscle strength has to be nice, has to be fresh, has to be firm, and the collagen structure of the flesh has to be good. So yeah, all of those things combined are how we would judge whether a, a, a fillet is of optimal quality for us. And you touched on this a little bit earlier, um, that some fish meal labels contain ingredients like cornmeal, mm-hmm. fish meal, fish oil, poultry meal, poultry fat, rapeseed oil, among a number of other things. What percentage of the industry would you say are still using these ingredients? I think still quite a large percent. I don't know how to put a number on it, but it, it depends on the countries as well. Like So in it, whether it's in Norway, whether it's in Europe, whether we're talking about aquaculture in, in Asia, etc., where the raw materials are, are vastly different. Like in some markets, for instance, in Africa, they use a lot of uh, locally produced raw materials and they, they can't get access to the, the quality raw materials that, that uh, we use in, in aquafeeds in Europe, for instance. So they're being used in, in a lot of markets still, but I think you're seeing that usage coming down because aquafeed formulation is just evolving so quickly uh, because of the environmental challenges we're facing. Yeah, I think it's becoming less and less. When you said that they like access to mm-hmm. to the um, quality ingredients, is mm-hmm. it financial access? What is it? And importation, I think, of, of certain uh, raw materials, like for instance, like land animal proteins and things like that. Are There are restrictions, obviously, on, on importing uh, those raw materials. So it's a combination uh, of both. And it's if, if you can produce aquafeed locally in those markets, then obviously it gives you a, a very big edge and a, a, an ability to 
distribute your feed very efficiently to farmers and they're, they're readily uh, willing to, to test it and to try it. Hmm. Getting it right every time and doing it sustainably, does that require a bit of an innovative approach? Are, are you looking at gene editing? Is it more nutrition? Is it holistic? Yeah, we're well at the research center where I work at the Oltec Coppens Aqua Center in in uh, in the Netherlands. We have a very uh, applied uh, research focus. So, really, the the goals of of the of the research are to make informed feed formulation and raw material uh, purchasing decisions, uh, whilst also optimizing the health of the fish and making sure that the, the, the feeds we use are healthy for, for the for the fish we use. But uh, in terms of the innovation side, we have, uh, for instance, on the gut health side, we have a very big multi-partner project with several partners, Nofema, Marine Harvest, University of Glasgow, and the BBSRC in the UK. It's a huge multi-partner project that's sole goal is to understand the structure and the function of the intestinal microbes within salmon. That area has been very widely covered in other species so and in, in other areas of terrestrial uh, agriculture. But in fish, it's still we're still really lacking. So we've initiated this project. It's a PhD project to understand the structure and the function of intestinal microbes and their sort of functional contribution to fish nutrition. And we're making big strides with that. It's only just over a year into the project now. And some of the work that's coming out of that is really like a new frontier, I would say, in, in fish nutrition in that it's, it's bringing that area up to the same level as, as, as what we know about intestinal microbes and the health of dairy cattle and even humans. So that's one of the big innovations that we're working on right now. Your eyes kind of lit up, actually, yeah, when you started talking about it. It's a really nice it. project. It's a really nice project. So are you looking at using probiotics or what kind of things are you seeing? Well, th- I think before we can start thinking about probiotics in fish feed like there's been a lot of work on probiotics and, and prebiotics in fish feed and a lot of uh, work with, that we've done with biomass has really shown very very nice results in terms of gut structure and gut health but i think when when it comes to the intestinal microbiome we need to know what the actual structure looks like in a normal fish before we can start thinking about how we make new applications to to target the functional potential of those bacteria so at the moment we have characterized the, what the microbiome looks like. And now we're thinking about what feed additives to modulate that microbiome in order to harvest the kind of that main functional potential that gives the best benefit to fish health and fish nutrition, whether that's breaking down different raw materials, whether that's providing short chain fatty acids that we know help the uh, intestinal cells of fish and, then, uh, by, and thereby enhancing growth. But until we get that baseline data, then we can start thinking about application. But it's something that, that the industry as, as a whole has, has very little knowledge on, but I would say that we're really at the forefront of it with this project. Wild-caught fish are still considered premium. Why would you say that this message is still prevalent, that farm fish aren't as nutritional as a wild version? And is it kind of a part of your mission to change that? Yeah, I think it's it's a it's a complex one because I think uh, yeah the media has really put out some kind of some myths if you want about farmed fish about how they're produced and the overall welfare of farmed fish as well I think is a is a big area that's misunderstood by the public. I would say that a lot of that uh, responsibility does kind of fall with with the media in reporting incorrect facts about fish farming. I think when you compare fish farming with other areas of agriculture, it's hugely sustainable. We have all the space in the world to do it. Um, it's minimal env- uh, environmental impact. We have 
hundreds of species, if not thousands of fish species that we could farm sustainably, and we've only just concentrated on a few. So it's really at the very, very beginning. It's really, really exciting that we have such potential at our fingertips for aquaculture. And I think the, the, the negative sort of spin that's been put on it is, is really just a misunderstanding on, on how things are reported about how aquaculture is conducted. Because if you go to a fish farm and you see how the fish are treated and you see how much the farmers care about the, about the fish and you actually see how little environmental impact it, it causes, then I think that that can change perception. So it, it's really a perception thing that we need to kind of get the message out there that, that farm fish are, are healthy and are a perfect source of omega-3s for, for human nutrition. So I think a lot of that also comes down to uh, what fish are being fed. Yeah. It goes yeah. back to that old adage, you are what you eat. Of course. Yeah, of course. What we're, what we're feeding our farm fish in, in many cases, such as with, with the algae that we, we produce here and the fish meal replacers that we're using, these, these types of things are highly sustainable. And so I don't see the, the, the problem. If you eat a fish in the wild, that, that fish is also eating fish as well. So, you know, it's a bit of a vicious circle in that, in that way. But like I say, if you go to a fish farm and you see how well the fish are treated and how much space they have in terms of welfare in comparison to some poultry farms and things, uh, it's, it is one of the most responsibly conducted forms, I think, of, of food production. What percentage of fish in, let's say, five years do you anticipate will wind up on someone's plate that will have been farmed? I think um, a couple of years ago, farmed fish were begun to overtake wild catch. So if it keeps stagnating the way it's going with, with wild catch, you're going to see six, it's going to climb up to 60, 70, 80%. At the moment, I think all prawns and shrimp that end up on people's plates are pretty much farmed and they come from Southeast Asia. And I think the more species that we learn about, like there's so many developing species in aquaculture that could be farmed even more efficiently than, than salmon and bass and trout, etc. So that percentage is only going to climb because we have such potential there to, to, to research other species. What are some of uh, the more successful breeds of fish that you're seeing? Well, in Greece, there's a, there's a species called meager, which uh, they're, they're growing in Greece and Turkey. The, traditionally, they uh, have grown sea bass and sea bream, which are very, very tasty, very efficient fish. But in terms of uh, aquaculture, the production cycle is quite long. So I think by some uh, species like meager, etc., have the potential maybe to actually be produced more quickly. There's several strains of tilapia that can have a six-month harvest uh, time to harvest. So that's extremely efficient and, and, and farming very low on the food chain. The feed inputs are, are very environmentally sustainable. Cobia in Panama, I'd say, is another developing species. They're uh, a carnivorous species, but they're farmed quite far offshore high omega-3 content in the fillet um, and a ver has a lot of potential for growth. Striped bass, I suppose, in America is another species that has a lot of potential. They would be some of the emerging ones that we've seen certainly around the world in the last few years. And you were talking about how you think, you know, a large percentage of all the shrimp that ends up on the yeah. plate is farmed. How quickly is the aquaculture business moving along and how competitive is it? Um, it's quite competitive in that uh, we have quite a small number of big players in terms of uh, aquaculture feed. So they, they control a lot of the market, let's say. So that there's three or four main, mainly of, of those. And then there's kind of a, a stack of sort of medium range players in, in the market um, who are specialized in different particular species. 
So it's very, very competitive, particularly in, in Norway, where they have an established salmon industry for many, many years now. It's, that's a difficult market to get into, but it's growing so fast that the opportunities are there to, to easily get into those markets, especially within Alltech with Coppins. The flexibility we have to move into different markets and to make different feeds, and because we make feeds for so many different species, we have that potential. And how fast is it growing? I think the growth stagnated a little bit last year, according to Aiden's um, feed survey that Alltech conduct every year. I think we saw a little bit of stagnation in the aqua side, but it can only grow. It has to grow because the world needs protein. And, and in my opinion, aqua is the most sustainable way to do that. So it's only a matter of time before that growth picks up again and, and continues on. Any idea why it stagnated a bit? Um, I'm not actually. Yeah, it's a good question. Um yeah, I'm not really sure exactly why we saw this this kind of stop or this this stagnation, but uh, yeah, it could be markets contracting or something like that in some in some areas, and and feed is not being produced in as much quantity. I think also there are problems with uh, there's been problems with sea lice mortality in Norway that also has maybe played a little bit of a a little bit of a role, and it's becoming an increasing problem. We're still really trying to figure out the best way to, to tackle that, that huge issue. So, uh, yeah, disease also plays a role more widely, white, white spot virus in, in shrimp, and, and early mortality syndrome in shrimp has also played a role. So, yeah, I think disease is also mm. really played well, well, responsible last- for it. Lastly, how do you feel that um, public demands for traceability will affect this industry in the future? Yeah, I think they, they will. I think if you look at, uh, for instance, uh, supermarkets now, they, they will demand a product that uh, is produced in a certain way. For instance, the issue of including land animal proteins is still controversial in some markets. So I think you're seeing a more demanding consumer nowadays, especially when it comes to fish, uh, like it, because of the perceptions that are out there in the media. So it's going to become more and more important but we see applications that are even online now on smartphones etc where you can actually if it's a wild caught fish or if it's a farm fish you can you can actually track where that fish was produced what it was fed etc so it's going to become more and more important i would say and and i'm really interested in the algae aspect um when consumers hear that the fish are being fed algae and Mm -hmm. some of this new insect technology what kind of response are you getting Really, really positive, really positive. Um, because with the, with the algae, we can completely replace fish oil with the algae meal and also maintain the same amount of omega-3 left in the fillet. If you're providing such a sustainable product and you're eliminating fish oil from the diet and the consumer is getting the same benefit, then uh, we, yeah, it's, a, it's so, so positive for the industry. And we also actually have a fish meal, fish oil free trout feed on the market. It's the only one on the market now. So we're getting a a lot of uh, very good responses from our customers and from consumers ab- about that and people who are, like I say, more minded these days about, uh, about how their fish are produced. So it can only be a positive. I'm talking with Dr. Philip Lyons, a research scientist at Copens International. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Philip. Thank you. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Ag Future podcast presented by Alltech. For show notes and more episodes, visit alltech.com forward slash agfuture.